What is the state of ethics and compliance in organizations today? Hi, this is Tom Field, Vice President of Editorial with Information Security Media Group. It's my privilege to be speaking today with Keith Darcy. He's Deloitte's newly appointed Senior Advisor for its Enterprise Compliance Practice. Keith, thanks so much for joining me today. A pleasure to be with you. To start off, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your experience in this role of, of ethics and compliance, please? Yeah, it's been an interesting journey. The profession itself is a relatively young profession, and I guess I'm one of the long-in-the-tooth people that participated in this space for a number of years. My uh, first career was growing up in the financial services industry. I spent 40 years uh, in financial services, but alongside of it, I've also had a career as an educator nights and weekends. For 15 years, I taught economics and finance, both undergraduate and graduate, Uh, 30 years ago, however, I took an interest in ethics and leadership and transferred my teaching interest to the areas of ethics and leadership, and that was really the starting point for me. A few years after that, I I became so passionate about it, I started a foundation to promote ethics and leadership, and that actually led me out of my banking career and on a track engaged in uh, the ethics and compliance field. Along the way, one of my clients asked me to uh, work with them full-time. Uh, it was Prudential Securities, and I helped them establish the first ethics office on Wall Street. I later went down to Georgetown University as associate dean and dis- distinguished professor of business ethics and taught there for several years before I was called back to the banking business. Uh, uh, however, I continued to teach uh, and have been on the faculty of the Wharton School I teach in their executive ed programs for the last uh, 20 years uh, in the area of ethics and leadership. Along the way, I took an interest in an organization that was forming in 1992, the Ethics and Compliance Officer Association. And as a result of my affiliation at Prudential, uh, I was invited to join. I joined the board of directors there, uh, remained a director and advisor for quite a number of years. And when I retired from banking uh, nine years ago, the board asked me if I'd stay on as uh, executive director and chief executive, uh, which I did. And that really led me into getting much more involved in uh, the, the world, the global ethics. Our members uh, grew to six continents. I traveled frequently to meet with their boards of directors, top executives, created alliance partnerships around the world. So I've had a uh, a long, varied experience in this space, both domestically as well as globally. Well, that's great. I'm really glad we're having the opportunity to talk today then. As I said up front, you've just stepped into this position as Senior Advisor for Deloitte's Enterprise Compliance Practice. What do you see as your core mission in this new role? That's been a long-term friend of the firm, if you will, uh, dating back to my banking days. Uh, I had the privilege of outsourcing an internal audit function for a bank I was running uh, to Deloitte, got to meet some high-level partners at that time, obviously got a chance to see the inside of the firm and the culture they had developed. So from the very beginning, I've had great feelings for this uh, wonderful organization. I sat on the board of directors of a national bank where uh, Deloitte was the external auditor. Again, very favorable uh, relationship with the firm through that period of time. And Even as Deloitte established its ethics program some years ago, I had a chance to play a nominal role in helping support that. And so it was uh, wonderful when I decided to step down from my experience at the Ethics and Compliance Officer Association uh, that the firm invited me to come join them. I I think what I bring to the table is a boots-on-the-ground experience, a global perspective that not a whole lot of people have, and an ability to help the firm build out methodologies and tools 
behalf of their clients that can help them mitigate the very challenging reputation risks that all firms face increasingly today. And again, by virtue of some public presence, uh, hopefully I can bring a voice to their work with their clients. Well, Keith, I've got a hopelessly broad question for you, but maybe we can get it down to some specifics. And the question is, what is the state of ethics and compliance in organizations today? And maybe you can focus on where you see some of the biggest gaps. So uh, the starting point for recognizing what's going on, there has been this growth and development of ethics programs over the last 23 years, and that came about as a result of changes uh, in the law in the United States and some things that have been adopted on a global basis by OECD. But when we take a look at the world today in terms of organizations that have been trying to promote ethics and compliance uh, within their firm's risk mitigations, uh, post-Great uh, Recession, uh, we continue to experience great austerity worldwide. There's very little top-line revenue growth, despite the fact that corporate earnings have been reaching all-time records. So where do you get the kind of record earnings? You get them out of the expense base. So anybody who's in the risk management function these days has unfortunately been challenged to uh, try and do more with less. And that's a very dangerous recipe. I've seen this play before. Uh, Typically, there are patterns like this that have occurred through various economic cycles. The net result uh, tends to expose a number of issues of corruption and malfeasance over time. So this is the the state of the world, if you will. On top of that, it's an age of information, as everybody knows. And in an age of information, there are no secrets. There's no place to hide. Uh, A perfectly transparent world is exposing all of our secrets, all of our business decisions, and therefore exposing conflicting ways that we do business that don't necessarily meet the public's perception. What's interesting about this, you talk about the gaps. Um, uh, The way you address those gaps is through risk assessments. The starting point for anybody in the risk management professions uh, has to be with risk assessments, and that will drive your opportunity to define mitigations and appropriate steps that can reduce those uh, mitigations. And then you have to evaluate the effectiveness of the efforts that you've put into place. And I've often talked about process, impact, and outcomes process is, have you put the right policies and procedures and mitigations in place in order to protect the organization? Uh, Impact is, how well are they understood throughout the organization? And frankly, if only 40% of the people understand the importance or understand that you have these policies, then you have a failed effort on your part. But outcomes really gets to the issue of behavior. Uh, Have you changed the culture? Have you changed behaviors in the organization? Painfully, we've learned over the last uh, two decades that the single biggest determinant of behavior in any organization in the world is culture. Culture drives behavior. People see what's recognized and rewarded in organizational life. And more and more companies, although probably not enough yet, are doing culture assessments, trying to uh, baseline uh, what their uh, determinations are, and if not satisfied with uh, certain of the information that comes out, put into place uh, programs to try and uh, create improvement in those programs to solidify and improve corporate culture as you go forward. So that's a long-winded answer, but I think um, it's it's a dangerous world. Risks are increasing exponentially in today's world, and uh, we have to be ever vigilant. If I could ask you a follow-up, Keith, when you see the use of social media, when you see cases like the the Snowden case and insider issues when you see hacktivism. Do you see technology giving us new ethics challenges today that we didn't have in previous years? I think technology is absolutely and unequivocally the biggest challenge that we face. And not unlike medical technology, we have the capacity to do things before we ever consider the ethical consequences of how they affect society. 
And the same thing's happening in business today, uh, whether it's uh, uh, social media and mobile technologies, uh, whether it's big data and data science and our ability to analyze and assess things in ways that we could never do it before. You mentioned hacktivism. That's certainly well known. A uh, number of uh, front page headline cases going on out there. Uh, even in the area of cyber crimes, at what point are we doing market intelligence or competitive research uh, before it translates into corporate espionage, something that the FBI is going to prosecute uh, in days going forward? The conflicts of transparency, a world that's becoming perfectly transparency, and issues of privacy to private citizens. And, of course, all of this transparency exposes conflicts of interest in ways that didn't exist before. So I happen to agree with you. I think the biggest new issue that's emerging today is the issues under the umbrella of technology. And uh, we're going to have to think seriously. They may not be illegal. Uh, they may be things that we can do. And as we know with technology, just because we can do them doesn't make them right. So we're really going to have to pause periodically and think about the consequences of our decisions and our actions using technology. So how do we go about addressing some of the obvious gaps within organizations, especially when you start to consider that there's a younger workforce coming into the fields today that have been born into this technology in a lot of ways, and they're used to having the capabilities to do things without maybe the ethical background about to ask whether they should? Yeah, one of the one of the sub risks uh, below technology clearly is Generation Y, and as you point out appropriately, they have grown up on this in ways that certainly uh, my generation never did. Baby Boomers and even the Gen Xers are, while they're comfortable and familiar, don't live on it the way uh, Gen Y folks do, and probably will become uh, even more uh, extreme in the next generation that follows from them. What's interesting about that is we need to make sure that we learn where they live. Uh, we need to pause and really understand uh, the effects of Gen Y, the different cultural elements that they believe in. But at the same time, at the same time in organizational life, we need to make sure that they understand what the expected behaviors are uh, where we live. Uh, but it's a fine and delicate balance uh, trying to get us to understand each other. Uh, Gen Y is different. They live in a very transparent way. Their whole lives are out on Facebook in ways that none of us would have ever considered at any time in the past. Increasingly, too, as you think about Gen Y, these, this is a young group of people who are socially active. They take social responsibility seriously. Uh, they want to work for firms that stand for something, for firms that they might admire and to stay with. And if they don't, they'll change jobs in a nanosecond. And the average 32-year-old has nine job experiences. They have a portfolio career. Well, you can't build corporate culture, which I just spoke about before, if you've got a churn at such a high level, uh, notwithstanding even what the cost of turnover might be at a point in time. So I do think it's incumbent upon us who are leaders in our organizations to take the time to learn more about uh, Gen Y uh, and to try and build organizations that encourage them to come in and to work and live and create with us in ways that are positive and constructive. They are the leaders of the future. So we need to make that investment in them. Uh, and it's a, it, it was a great question that you asked. Keith, in one of your other roles, as you say, you teach ethics. I'm going to ask, how has your curriculum evolved in recent times, given everything we've talked about today? Yeah, dramatically. You know, when I first started teaching 30 years ago, there was an absolute lack of case study there. Uh, the Ford Pinto case, uh, E.F. Hutton on kiting, uh, Johnson & Johnson's uh, Tylenol uh, crisis management, 
these were some of the early emerging cases, but there was a decided lack of cases. I started a foundation in 1989 to promote ethics and leadership. One of the first things I did was I put up prize money to generate new cases, and the academic community responded by sending us about 100 cases. Well, today we don't have that problem anymore. All I have to do is open up the newspaper, and I've got a new lecture or a new speech every day. Obviously, many, many more cases are littered throughout the headlines on a daily basis. We also have a forensic understanding of how some of these cases have taken place, uh, not just operationally, but through human behavior. There's a whole new school of teaching that's emerging today, which in, in some way surprises me, but it's caught a lot of people's attention. They call it behavioral ethics, so much as we hear about behavioral economics. And the only surprise to me is I've always thought ethics was behavioral. Uh, I've always thought economics was behavioral. These, these are social sciences. And so uh, it really has changed uh, quite a bit. There's a lot more case study to draw upon, a lot more lessons that we can learn from as we go forward. I guess one of the fundamental questions, though, that continuously gets posed is, can ethics be taught? And, uh, you know, ethics we are learned through the different social systems that we grow up in, families, schools, religions, Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, uh, the playground, uh, government. Uh, and so each of the social systems that we exist in tells us what's right and wrong, what's in and out, what's good or bad, what's acceptable, what's not. And so over time we have to sift through this and build a worldview of how our values apply in the world. I've often said to groups uh, around the world that the only thing that separates us from the other living species on this planet, the plants, the animals, the insects, and the fish, are that we are a moral being. We make moral decisions. And so it's up to us to remind ourselves and to remind people in organizations uh, what are the right things to do, how do we reinforce those right things. And because we're human and because every organization, unfortunately, has some bad people, even in good organizations, uh, we need to make sure that there are tools and resources in the organization that people can come to and speak up and allow some of the professionals to step in and to help us make better decisions as we go forward in the world. Uh, but it is a challenge. But uh, teaching today is uh, far different than it was 30 years ago. Uh, in fact, 35 years ago, if you wanted to take an ethics course, you had to go to philosophy class. Today, you not only have ethics classes, ethics programs, but you have undergraduate and graduate degree programs in business ethics. Uh, this has become a real subject matter. It's growing up, much as the profession has been growing up over the last 20 years. Well, Keith, in your new role now, in terms of helping organizations to implement compliance risk management strategies, what do you see as some of your key priorities for the year? Yeah, key priorities right now is uh, bringing together uh, the tools and resources uh, within Deloitte. They have a phenomenal global footprint um, and experts uh, on virtually every subject of risk management imaginable. And what we want to be able to do is to bring this level of expertise and, in particular, uh, the experts uh, into relationships with people who are the risk managers. My experience uh, in the length of time that I've been involved in this community and watched it grow up is risk managers, ethics and compliance professionals, uh, have very lonely jobs. Uh, uh, many of them are afraid and have every reason to be because the risks are extreme and getting bigger all the time and the resources are dwindling, and this is not an uncommon phenomenon. And so we need to make sure that they're aware of who we are and what we can contribute 
to be there, to be available for as little as a phone call or for as much as what it might take to help them eliminate some of the risks that exist in their respective organizations. Uh, uh, I think we have a great capacity to do it. Uh, I've known a number of the professionals before I even came to Deloitte um, and its reputation, which is uh, so very positive, and uh, I feel privileged to be able to stand alongside them and help contribute to this ethics and compliance community out there. Keith, the final question. If you could boil it down, what would be your one key piece of advice for individuals to help their own organizations to improve ethics and compliance? The secret to risk management I have learned over many years is that there are no secrets. Uh, you can't fix what you can't talk about. Uh, we must do perpetual risk assessments and risk prioritizations. Uh, I wake up every morning very early and read newspapers from around the world constantly, continuously assessing where are the new risks in the world, where are the trends that I'm seeing from disparate places and different industries and sectors, and how can I bring that understanding to a place in the ethics and compliance community that can help us reduce, eliminate, or mitigate those risks. But if you can't talk about your problems, you can't fix them. So the first thing you have to do is get out there and, and determine on a continuous basis what those risks are. Keith, that's great advice. I appreciate your time and your insight today. Thank you. Good. Thanks so much for the pleasure. The topic has been ethics and compliance. I've been speaking with Keith Darcy, newly appointed Senior Advisor for Enterprise Compliance Practice at Deloitte. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.